Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who want to know what in the world works with social media marketing. I'm very excited about today's show for a couple of reasons. Today, we're going to explore how to use Twitter to greatly increase the traffic to your blog with Kim Garst from Boom Social. And I just got to tell you, this is one of those episodes that you need to make sure you listen to the entire thing. There is gold in this episode. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Also going to be taking a caller question on how to grow a following for your blog. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and uh, take that question right now. Deep from within a remote jungle village, here's this week's social media question. My name is Sarah Marbury, and I blog at sarahmarbury.com. I love your podcast and blogs. They have definitely helped me become a better marketer. Keep up the good work. My question has to do with subscribers. I launched my blog six months ago when I was unexpectedly let go from my job. Initially, I sent emails to a list of about 100 industry friends from my Outlook whenever I did a blog post. When I decided to start up my consulting practice again, I redesigned my blog and set up a FeedBurner account so that people could subscribe. But I kept sending the emails, asking them to please subscribe. Some did, but most didn't. Currently, I have 52 subscribers, and I'm still sending emails to 85 industry friends. I'm afraid if I stop sending emails, I'll lose those readers. Any advice as to what I should do? Hey, Sarah, this is a wonderful question. Um, If I understand what you're saying correctly, you're trying to figure out how to get your friends to want to subscribe to your blog and some of them are industry colleagues 
Um, bottom line is this. If they are not subscribing to your blog, it may be because either A, they don't realize they can, or B, because you're not asking them to, uh, or C, because they've been programmed to receive an email from you, or maybe even D, that they don't like the content that your blog is producing. So what I would do in the next email to you, that you send to these industry insiders, I would tell them that um, this is the last email that you're going to send them um, specifically from your personal account. And if they'd love to not miss one of your blog articles, to go ahead and sign up for uh, your automated email uh, newsletter service of some sort. Now, I am assuming that you have some sort of service. And if you don't, I'm going to make a couple of recommendations. First, as a side note, emails make a huge difference, uh, as do social shares. So make sure your blog post has plenty of uh, retweet button capabilities and all those other social shares, Facebook like and so on, so that people can evangelize your blog to uh, their folks and friends via social media. But at the end of the day, uh, email is really where it's at. So make sure you have a really good system in place where when people do come to your blog, no matter how they find it, that they do have the option to subscribe. At Social Media Examiner, you'll see we have a sidebar and we also have something at the very end of each article. I might suggest you do something like that. You also may want to consider using a service, if you don't already, that has an automated uh, email broadcast capability. FeedBlitz and A. Weber are two examples. Uh, I used to use FeedBlitz way back in the day when I, w when I had a writing white papers blog. And we use AWeber uh, for Social Media Examiner. In either case, the way it works is you have the ability to just automatically send an email uh, every time you have a new blog post. And you can kind of set it and forget it. I hope, Sarah, this is helpful for you. And anyone listening right now, if you do have a question you would like to be uh, uh, considered for a future episode of our podcast, you can go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash voicemail where you'll be prompted to go ahead and record directly from your computer. Uh, there is something else I want to share with you, and I will go ahead and transition over to that right now. Here's a word from our tour guide. Uh, way back in episode 37, which was in April, <clears throat> I introduced you to um, this new special project I've got going on called My Kids Adventures. And I just want to let you know that I'm going to be sharing a little bit each week about this project with the hope that if you're thinking about starting a new company or if you're thinking about launching a new product, that me sharing some of the journey that I'm going on with this project will inspire you. Now, um, one thing I want to share with you is, first of all, let's just say, what, what is My Kids Adventures? Because you might be wondering, well, I missed that episode. What the heck is it? So My Kids Adventures is a brand new blog that we're starting at Social Media Examiner. And it's targeted to parents, uh, especially parents who have preteen kids, kind of like I do. My kids are uh, ages from 5 to 11. And it's really for the busy parent who doesn't have enough time to get creative yet wants to have fun adventures with his or her kids. And um, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about it in the next few minutes here. But um, the first little lesson I want to share with you is that whenever you're about to start something that's radically different or new, it's really kind of wise to come up with a vision statement. And really what a vision statement is, it's something that you and or the people that are on your team can rally around. And even if you're just a one-person operation, it's important to do this because it's very easy 
as you begin a new project to kind of get down rabbit trails that have nothing to do with the intent behind the project. And um, I was inspired by Michael Hyatt. He did a podcast on this a while back. And um, the long and short of it is you want to come up with a very simple statement that essentially explains uh, what the entire thing is all about. Now, I'm going to share a little bit about the vision that I have for Social Media Examiner. Uh, I'm sorry, for My Kids Adventures. Then I'm going to share the the consolidated statement that I came up with. Uh, Bottom line is I was at Disneyland um, last summer. And um, I realized that the last time I was there was seven years ago. And back then, my kids were really young. My youngest wasn't even born, and my oldest was like three. Um, And it was crazy. I mean, it seemed like I've been working so hard. Where is all that time gone? I mean, these are the questions that have gone through my head. And I've been toying with the idea of starting uh, an adventure-themed site uh, for parents for a while, but then finally, when I was on vacation, it hit me that I better do this now or it's going to end up being for my grandkids because I'm so busy with the podcast and with social media examiner and everything else. So I had to carve out time to begin the process of thinking about what this was all going to be about. And it was really important that I figured out who I was trying to reach and and what the vision was. And uh, I, I came to the conclusion that the kind of people that really resonated with this, um, were people like me who had a lot of fun adventures when they were kids and are finding that their kids today are getting distracted by all the electronics and stuff that are in the house and they're having adventures without mom and dad. So um, that's how I came up with the idea of starting this online magazine. So I I noodled on it. I took a uh, clipboard and I drove out to this little spot that I drive to every time I'm starting something new. It's the same place I went to when I decided to start Social Media Examiner. And I just started scribbling notes um, on a piece of paper with a pen. Uh, you can't erase ink. And I, and, and I left my iPhone and electronics behind and just spent about an hour kind of putting together the idea. And um, this is what I came up with. I'm going to read this to you right now. My Kids Adventures helps busy parents create fun adventures with their kids anywhere. We solve the I'm bored, I don't know what to do question posed by children. And we do so by empowering parents and grandparents to effortlessly create exciting activities with their kids using the free resources published on My Kids Adventures. So that's the gist of it. And the first sentence is really the critical sentence whenever you come up with a vision statement. My Kids Adventures help busy parents create fun adventures with their kids anywhere. I worked really hard to come up with that sentence. And um, when you're thinking about your vision statement, you want to be thinking about who is that target audience, in this case, busy parents. What is it that they can achieve by your product or service or company? And uh, in this case, it's create fun adventures uh, with their children. And is there anything else that's critical? I said anywhere. The reason I said anywhere is because I didn't want this to be confused with like a travel site. Um, In reality, my mind, adventures can take place in your home, in your backyard, on the hill behind the house, or frankly, anywhere in the great outdoors. So, um, that's kind of my, my lesson for today about building a vision statement. You're going to see every week I'm going to share a little bit more about my kids' adventures. And my hope is that you'll be inspired this summer to be thinking about maybe launching something new yourself. And by joining me on this journey, uh, you'll pick up some little lessons along the way. Um, if you're interested in learning more about my kids' adventures, you can do so by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com kids. 
With that, let's transition over to today's really excellent interview on Twitter with Kim Garst. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I am very excited to be joined today by Kim Garst. If you don't know who Kim is, she's the CEO of Boom Social, a company and blog that specializes in social media marketing. As a matter of fact, her blog was ranked number two in Social Media Examiner's top 10 social media blogs for 2013. And speaking of lists, Kim also recently got in the top 10 on Forbes' top 20 women social media influencers of 2013. One of Kim's areas of topical expertise is Twitter marketing. Kim, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I know that was like a mouthful, but I wanted to get all those cool accolades in. Um, Today, Kim and I are going to explore Twitter marketing and specifically how you can use Twitter to grow your business. Now, Kim, I want to shine the spotlight on you for a second. I want you to think about your business and how you are actually using Twitter to help your business. Well, I honestly, there's so many ways that I leverage Twitter to, to help grow my business. Um, I'm just going to highlight a couple of ideas, um, you know, a couple of things that come to mind right off the, the top of my head is I leverage um, Twitter for news because I, I kind of laughingly refer to Twitter as this info superhighway. Uh, a lot of people don't think of going to Twitter and searching for things um, in the same context that we would go to Google. But actually, um, news hits uh, Google, I'm sorry, go- news hits Twitter in so many cases before it hits major news channels. Um, so there is, you know, real people there sharing real information in real time. So um, it's kind of a news channel for me. Uh, you know, you can keep a track of of your competition, uh, all kinds of things. Um, and again, it's just leveraging the search f- functionality of Twitter. Okay. So hold on. Um, Let me pause you there for a second. Yeah. Just, so how, how do you get news out of Twitter? Are you searching for keywords? What, what, what are you doing there? Um, if, um, you can actually, yes, search for keywords and find conversations in real time on, on Twitter. You can also, uh, pay attention to trending topics. You know, if there's a news, um, you know, for example, Osama bin Laden's demise, uh, like 85% of those who were polled said they found out about that uh, incident on Twitter uh, before the news got the information and was disseminating it, traditional news media. So it's just one of those things that a lot of times uh, news will actually show up in your feed um, just by people, you know, like I said, real people sharing information in real time. Um, similarly, actually to Facebook, lots of times people will follow sporting events on Facebook or they'll follow sporting events on Twitter simply because everybody's talking about it. It's pretty interesting that you can use Twitter for for news and it's a lot of cool stuff there. How else can you use Twitter or how else are you using Twitter? for your business? Well, I think the probably the outside of, you know, just traditional answers of building your brand and networking and, you know, things of that nature. I think that one of the biggest uh, values that I have found uh, for Twitter is to drive traffic. It is uh, probably the best traffic source that I've ever seen. Uh, and I'm not just, you know, you know, everybody says, oh, I've got the best traffic source. Uh, but I'm totally serious when I say that it's probably the most responsive, targeted traffic source that you can have at your fingertips. Um, I use Twitter to drive traffic to my Facebook page, um, you know, and I leverage that. My whole Facebook page, in fact, has been 
built off of the back of, of Twitter. Um, so, you know, you can send it to your blog post. There's just so many ways that you can direct um, the traffic and the connections uh, that you use, that you make um, on Twitter to um, drive traffic. Okay, so curious minds want to know, how are you using Twitter to drive traffic to Facebook? Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. Um, one of the things that I do r- routinely, and I do this um, for a couple in a couple of different ways, but just to answer the question specifically to Facebook, um, I have free offers built out on my tabs on my Facebook page, and I have a number of them there. Um, I actually test my free offers on Facebook first um, to make sure that they'll pull, etc. Um, but I build them out on Facebook, and then I share my free offers, um, you know, two or three times. During the course of the day on Twitter. Twitter is um, unique in that you could not do that same thing on Facebook. You couldn't share your free offer on your Facebook page um, three times during the course of a day because you'd, it would be considered, um, you know, just overkill. But on because Twitter moves so rapidly and, you know, people may not see the same things. Um, in fact, a, a tweet has a lifespan of about, you know, 30 seconds. So, you know, um, sharing your, your free offers, you know, two or three times during the course of a day is totally acceptable and you're going to get different eyeballs, you know, seeing those, those as they come through their, through their news feeds. Okay. So how are you, um, I'm assuming you're scheduling or something on Twitter. How are you talk a little bit about, um, the strategy behind sharing a link to the same thing multiple times is it exactly the same tweet. Is it slightly different? Um, how do you decide what times of the day is to do it? Right. Um, no, it is not the same tweet. Um, I, I and I, they are scheduled. Uh, I use Hootsuite uh, for scheduling. There's um, several other, you know, management email management tools that you could use, but I actually prefer um, Hootsuite. And then I'll schedule those, you know, throughout the course of the day. Um, they're they are not normally the same exact tweet. Uh, I, you know, switch them up. Uh, I'm always testing different um, wording to see what people respond to the most. Um, and then, you know, it, that's probably my number one opt-in source is leveraging my Twitter traffic to my Facebook page. Now, how are you measuring the response to know exactly which one of those tweets are performing better than others? Um, normally I have different lists set up. Uh, you know, so, um, what I'll do is I have, um, on my Facebook page, I'll have the one landing tab, for example, um, and then you know I'll I'll try to uh, leverage. I'll try to keep track of the ones that I'm sending out throughout the course. Usually, we monitor them, you know, in blocks of time, uh, and then we see, okay, well, this one is you know generating more opt-ins than this one. So, for example, we'll run two, usually no more than three at a time, so that we can you know. Uh, see which ones are actually pulling versus, you know, the ones that may not be. Um, otherwise, it gets overwhelming to try to keep track of them. So are you, um, do you have some sort of a sophisticated tool that is like a conversion tracker so that you know when you give a URL for this tweet, somehow behind the scenes on your opt-in form on your Facebook page, it says this person opted in from this tweet? Or is it mostly just you watching to see how many subscribers come in for that period of time after that tweet? We usually just manage, you know, monitor the number of opt-ins that come in. Gotcha. Um, because it's hard to do otherwise, you know, right. without some sophisticated tool. Uh, and we, you know, we don't use that, uh, you know, something. Basically, it's just a, a basic oversight monitoring um, 
if if anybody's listening that happens to know of some sophisticated tool, I would love to know what it is. Okay, so just to summarize, what you're doing on Facebook is you've got tabs, and you're using you know what we call tabs or apps on Facebook, and you've got some sort of free offer. I'm assuming like a free ebook or something. Correct. Yes, I have a number uh, of them on my fan page. One is you know uh, Facebook related, uh, which is you know it's been one of my top uh, converters. Is basically um, 30 fun and creative ways to get more Facebook likes. Um, I have another one that's more generic. That's you know overall social media based, um, and one's just to my newsletter. So um, on that app is a form presumably right and all these become leads and then you guys can do whatever you need to with the leads which we'll talk about a little bit later but so that's how you're driving traffic to facebook let's talk about your blog how do you use twitter do you have any interesting creative strategies that you use to increase the traffic from twitter to your blog um, yes, I, um, you know, one of the things that people do is, and again, I'm not saying that everybody does it this way, but usually when you uh, first, um, you know, post an article on your blog, you would share it as normal. You would put it on Facebook, you'd put it on Twitter, you know, you may have some other resources that you would share it on some other social media uh, uh, platforms. Um, but sometimes people for, kind of forget it about it after they first shared it that initial time. Um, I actually share my content um, uh, routinely, so uh, honestly, every hour. There is a, a blog post that's shared on um, on Hoots, through Hootsuite. I use Hootsuite to schedule, but on the hour, um, I share a blog post uh, from my um, you know stack of uh, so uh, articles that I have on my my website. Ah, uh, so wait a minute. I mean, presumably. You're talking about some of your oldies but goodies, right? I mean, not necessarily yes, really my evergreen old. content, essentially. Okay, so let, let's talk through that because I think this is a really kind of a creative idea that a lot of people haven't thought through. First of all, how do you decide um, which pieces, which blog posts in particular um, you should uh, promote? And are you promoting the same ones every day? Kind of, Can you draw it a little bit more there? Um, sure. Well, I have, you know, and again, I think this depends on uh, how much content you have. Um, if you have a little bit of content, then obviously the strategy needs to be stretched out. Um, you can't share the same uh, content day after day from the standpoint of exactly the same content. Uh, without it, you know, your your I think your readership would or your audience would ultimately, you know, get tired of that. But if you have a lot of content, um, you know, in my case, I have approximately 300 articles. And, um, you know, by the time I rotate through um, all of that content, uh, it's all fresh and new again to those people, you know, so they have, they've totally forgotten or didn't see it the first time or, um, you know, it's just kind of a fresh eye, uh, fresh eyes on your content all the time. Okay, this this is this is interesting, and there's a couple questions kind of mingling in my mind related to this. Um, first of all, how has this worked for your traffic on on your blog? Uh, Twitter is my number one traffic source. And I mean, it, so it's, so it's totally working. Um, oh, it's totally working, and I've leveraged this same concept for our clients and increased their. Um, their traffic by, you know, anywhere from a hundred to 300, 400%. Wow. Now, um, there's probably a lot of people listening right now that say, well, won't my Twitter followers get upset with this constant barrage of self-serving yet probably interesting content? You know what I mean? From me. Well, 
I, I think it depends on your audience. Uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of so, social media is not a one-size-fits-all. Um, I, I do believe you have to find your sweet spot. Um, and so, you know, you kind of have to know who your audience is and what their the value that they want from you um, is. And I think some in some cases, it's also um, what your area of expertise is, you know, what you're sharing. Um, but and, and, you know, while I share every hour, that might be, not be your method. In other words, um, you could take your content and maybe share two or three articles a day uh, and not overwhelm your audience. Um, you know, that might be more acceptable for you and your audience versus, you know, for me, a lot of people look to me for information. Uh, people are actually searching for content um, around my specific area of expertise. So, you know, what works for me um, might not be exactly the same system that, that you would want to use. But the concept of sharing your content, um, whether, it, you know, as long as it's still relevant content and it still holds value um, on Twitter is definitely uh, something I highly recommend. Okay, so let's say someone listening right now happens to have a blog with a lot of articles. Hint, hint, we have more than 1,000. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, so what would you suggest that we do? Um, I mean, or anyone that's listening right now. I mean, I guess what's step number one? Identify which articles that you think are evergreen? Uh, that would be the first thing. And uh, and then, you know, make a list. That's what I always do when I first start with with uh, new clients is, you know, we make a list of all of their content. Um, you know, we review it to make sure that it's still relevant and, and uh, you know, applicable for today. Because as you know, in social media in particular, you know, things change daily. So you, you know, you kind of, and even once you start sharing it, you may still have to go back and, you know, take things out from time to time. That's, you know, things change etc. Um, but coming up with a list of, of, of solid content that, that still holds value, still is relevant, um, and, and holds true is the first step. And then um, using hashtags uh, to you know, key in on some keywords in that. So say, for example, you have you know, uh, a blog title that is you know, 10 ways to uh, leverage LinkedIn to create, get, to get your next great job opportunity. You would want to, you know, hashtag maybe LinkedIn, for example, because if somebody is looking for LinkedIn content and searching through Twitter, your blog post is going to come up. If I don't use a hashtag, will they still find LinkedIn? Uh, yes, yes, but I think the value of having the hashtags is great. Uh, I mean, I, I've been able to find content before that didn't include hashtags, but the hashtagged um, content uh, it has more relevancy. If the title has the keyword in it, do you recommend repeating the keyword with a hashtag at the end of the title? Ten ways. Uh, normally, I just hashtag it um, in the title. Ah. I don't use an extra hashtag at the end. Um, I th- I've actually found that this works just fine because people are conditioned to look for hashtags on Twitter right. versus, you know, Facebook is a little bit of a different animal. My gosh, people. This is, this, I hope everyone's taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> This is awesome. This is a biggie, honestly. This is is awesome. This is probably the most valuable tip that I can share is it relates to traffic um, and generating traffic with your content uh, using Twitter. Now, um, uh, let's say you come up with 20. Uh, How do I spread this out? Uh, 20 a day every single day, I mean, or two a day, or what's your suggested um, rinse and repeat number? 
Well, you know, like I said, in, in my case, because I have, you know, what I consider, you know, a pretty good um, base of content, you have even more. Um, in your case, um, I would probably suggest at least once an hour because your audience looks to you routinely for content. So I don't think that it would be offensive. In fact, I think people would totally eat it up. Um I, you could even go down to, you know, even less than that. I know one high-profile social media uh, person that we both know, and I think he posts every 15 minutes. What is initials BGK? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. J- I'm thinking, JB. Oh, How I'm about think, that one? I was thinking Guy Kawasaki. Uh, He's yes, like Guy every minute. Guy posts a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, I know um, Jeff Bullis is who I'm speaking of. He, uh, he posts a lot. But he'll tell you the same thing I'm telling you is that it is an amazing traffic source. Now, um, I know that Twitter uh, apps, like we use Social Oomph and you use um, Hootsuite, um, sometimes prevent you from retweeting the exact same tweet. So what's your suggested course of action to overcome that? Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, um, Twitter has a daily thing. So for example, you can't retweet the same thing within a 24 hour period of time. Gotcha. Um, so in, in an honest, all honesty, if with the amount of, of content that you have, um, it's going to be days, weeks before that same content's going to pop up again. Wow. This is really, really, really cool. I hope a lot of people are like paying attention to this. Wow. Okay. So now let's transition to another question. What's things that you see businesses doing wrong with Twitter and that kind of get you to go, oh, I wish they wouldn't do that. What are some common mistakes that people are making and how should they, you know, maybe well, go about fixing Well, I think honestly, um, the worst thing that I see most people doing is they set up an account, but they, uh, they don't leverage it. They're not active. You know, they're not consistent. Um, and I think that's across the board um, on social. If you're not consistent, regardless of the platform, you know, people are, are going to find somebody else that is and somebody else to tune into. So I think you absolutely um, have to be active. Uh, I see a lot of people who, too, who are just what I call broadcasters, and um, and they don't, you know, engage with people. One of the most um, amazing things to me, honestly, is when um, when I'm engaging with people on Twitter, they're stunned that I respond. They're like, I can't believe that you you're talking back to me. Most people don't. So I think that if you're going to be on Twitter and you're going to be you you want people to consume your content, but you really don't want to take the time to listen to what they have to say. Um, I you know that is kind of my pet peeve. I, I get a little irritated with that. Um, and then some people, which goes into one of my others, is you know they just don't engage. They you know uh, people will ask them a question, and and again I know it's a time limitation for a lot of us, um, but it is a it's just a core um, elemental feature I think of all social is that's what social is is relationships and and communicating with people. Um, and then I think you know if I had to name one last thing, it would be you know simply not really offering value to their audience. Um, Let's talk you know, about the engage thing for a second, because I bet you a lot of people are wondering, wow, do I engage every retweet? Do I engage every mention? Um, what are your thoughts on that, especially for those that might have, you know, a decent number of followers? 
and it, this is a tough one, honestly. And I'm going through this right now with my uh, with my own platform. I have, you know, almost 150,000 Twitter followers. And, you know, when I first started, it was so much easier to talk to people and, you know, to engage and to thank them for their tweets and retweets. Um, you know, as you grow, just the time cons- constraints alone is is hard um, to talk to everybody. So you have to come up with some system of engaging with people. I think just saying you're not going to to engage is not a good it's not a good strategy um, I think you you have to come up with with a system that works for you um, you know and and I think that strategy probably will um, will change as you grow and continue to build out your following I know mine has um, but I think it's important to have some some degree of engagement um, on Twitter because there's I mean honestly you can you know, from a business standpoint and, and what people are doing wrong and then what they're doing well, you know, look at some of the, the brands that are getting such amazing kudos for talking and engaging with their audiences like Zappos, for example, or or uh, JetBlue, you know, um, why? Because they're listening, they're paying attention. And I think that ultimately that's going to be the differentiator between the companies that do it well and the companies that don't do it well. And trust me, we don't own our brand anymore. We can we can direct it, but you know, to, in today's world, our audience has a voice and they're using it. Excellent. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, multimedia on Twitter. As um, you know, um, you can share a YouTube link, and the YouTube video will. Um, will show up right there in the in the Twitter, um, you know, API, whatever, in the app or whatever. You can also uh, obviously snap pictures and upload them uh, via Twitter. And um, you can also use uh, Vine, the Vine app, which we can talk about in a second. What are your thoughts? Because most people, when they use Twitter, I think are just simply text only or text and a link. What are your thoughts about adding visuals? Well, I think, uh, and I've said this for well over a year now, that I, that social is going to a more visual uh, context, and we're seeing it across the board. You know, we're seeing uh, Facebook, have en- they've enlarged their um, photos. Pinterest has done the same. Um, I mean, just even the Mashable format is much more vis- vis- visual. You know, so some even websites are going to uh, a more visual platform of, or a more visual way of displaying their content. And, um, and as it relates to to Twitter, you know, you have those 140 characters of text. So you have seen them incorporate some visuals, and I think it was critical that they needed to do this. Um, you can have the videos um, now, of course, the photos. They even enlarged the photo uh, size at, uh, recently. I guess it's probably been six months or so ago. But I think it's important. Um, you know, it's a great way to uh, uh, show the visual aspects of your business, whether it's, you know, product demos or, you know, contest or showcase your brand, maybe your team, you know, what's going on in your business. Um, so I love the fact that, you know, they've incorporated this piece into their platform because I think it's necessary. I think a lot of people consume information um, in a visual way. You know, and another point that I often um, think about is, especially if you are following a lot of people on Twitter, those people that tend to have a photograph or a visual 
are going to stand out of that noisy feed, right, Kim? Oh, I totally agree. And I think this is true, honestly, on all social platforms is, you know, people who, you know, I see a lot of people who'll put up what, and I hate to say unprofessional photos, but kind of that, you know, they have a picture of their dog or their cat or, you know, um, people are looking to connect with people. They don't, they're not going to talk to your cat. So I think it's important that you do display, uh, you know, a great photo of who you are versus, you know, some of the other things that, you know, I've seen some people do, um, you know, because again, um, I think it's just a great way to showcase who you are. Like, for example, on Twitter, if people don't have a photo, a personal profile photo, and they just use the standard, you know, the, the egghead look it comes comes with the Twitter setup. And um, in most cases, I unfollow those people simply because if they haven't taken the time to, you know, build out their profile, um, it's kind of one of my just my kind of my pet peeves is, you know, I'd like to connect to a real person. Totally. Um, what's your take on Vine? Um, I am kind of, I honestly, I have a little bit mixed feelings with Vine. Um, let's, let's I describe, love the concept de- of it. Yeah, let's quickly describe what it is for those who aren't familiar. Sure. Vine is a, uh, it's, it's a Twitter um, uh, tool that they, they came out with. Again, it's video-based, and it's a six-second video uh, specifically. Um, so you can, you can download their app onto your, your uh, mobile device, and you can, um, you know, and basically six second increments can report, can, um, I'm sorry, it's a six second, um, video that you can record and you can do, you know, some fun things. And I've actually seen some really, some that are really well done. Um, but I think that most people are not embracing them like I had hoped that they would. And, uh, you know, and again, it goes back to that Twitter is, is short and sweet, the 140 characters, and now they have the videos that are six seconds. So I think that is, um, was their intent, but I don't see a lot of people using them yet. Yeah, and one of, the, one of the challenges that I have is the fact that you have to download a separate app, and everybody already has their prefer, preference preferential Twitter app on their mobile device anyways, right? So yes, the, that the, is correct. The idea of having to use Twitter to take a picture and upload it, but to use Vine to do video just seems kind of strange. <laughs> it, it really does. It would be nice if at some point they incorporated into, you know, maybe even just the flat out, you know, just the Twitter app itself, because even that, you know, a lot of people may use the Twitter app, but they may uh, be using Hootsuite or, uh, you know, TweetDeck or one of the other management tools. Um, but I, I'm with you. I think it would be much more efficient if it was just included in the Twitter app itself. Yeah, it's like, it, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, anyways, we won't go there. Okay. Yeah. So let, let's talk about, um, one last question for you. There's a bazillion apps and, and cool tools out there for Twitter. Um, do you have any particular ones that you're using other than Hootsuite uh, or ones that you've recently discovered that you think are kind of exciting or have promise or potential when it comes to Twitter or marketing in general or anything related to Twitter? Okay. Well, there's um, actually, you know, until I guess probably a year, year and a half ago, probably a year and a half ago, there were tons of Twitter um apps, you know, different things that service the Twitter market. And then Twitter um, basically, you know, reined in their APIs and um, many businesses that have built out around serving the Twitter, Twitter market were essentially out of, out of business. So you really had to kind of, you know, okay, geez, I was using that, that tool. Now I can't use that tool. And even today, uh, a lot of things I, I've noticed that, you know, you'll have a list of Twitter tools and you go to use one of them and all of a sudden, sorry, 
were closed down. So I think there's a lot of businesses that are struggling with uh, the changes that Twitter are making. Um, but with that said, um, I do, yes, absolutely love um, Hootsuite. You know, there's a lot of other um, tools out there that you can leverage, but the, the reason I have really stuck with Hootsuite is because it it's the only platform out there that incorporates all of the social platforms, or the big ones anyway, to include Google+. Most of the uh, management platforms that are out there um, don't include Google+. So hmm. that's kind of why I've, I've kind of stuck with it. Um, and then I use routinely, probably on a daily basis, a website called manageflitter.com. Uh-huh. Are, have you ever heard of it, Mike? I think I have. Is that the one that allows you to kind of get rid of the people that are spammers that you're following or something like that? Actually, it's it's a host. It, it does a, it's a suite of different things. Yes, it does allow you to, you know, unfollow. It allows you to follow. Um, it allows you to do a lot of targeting. It allows you to find real-time conversations based around keywords. Um, so it's kind of a one-stop shop. And, um, and I probably literally, outside of going to twitter.com forward slash search, which I, that's definitely a tool, even though it's a part of the Twitter platform. Um, I would highly recommend that people start leveraging, uh, that as a tool too. Now, how do you spell the flitter? It's, uh, M A I'll just spell all of it out for you. It's manage M A N A G E F L I T T E R.com. Perfect. So is that a free app or does that cost? It's web-based, and yes, it is free. Oh, cool. uh, they have a free version, and they ha- also have a paid version. Awesome. Well, um, Kim, my gosh, we've gotten like a little gold mine out of you today. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now that want to learn more about you. They want to learn maybe some more about Twitter marketing or social media in general. Where do you want to send them to discover more about you and what you're doing? Um, my website is uh, kimgarst.com, and I would love to, um, you know, connect with anybody that um, is interested in social media marketing. That's kind of my forte. And that's G-A-R-S-T, Kim, that G-A-R-S-T.com. Hey, Kim, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to share some of these awesome ideas with us. Loved it. Thank you. For, thank you so much for having me, Mike. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview. Uh, I know that uh, as a direct result of this interview, we're making some of these, uh, we're implementing some of these ideas directly on Social Media Examiner, um, and I'm very excited about that. Have you been listening to the Social Media Marketing Podcast for a while, and has it been helping you uh, and your business? If so, uh, would you join the um, the folks that have left rating and reviews on iTunes? I would love it. It really helps us out in a major way. Simply by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes and simply giving us a star rating, which can be done with the click of a button, and or a review where you tell us what you think about the podcast. That has a huge impact on getting our podcast discovered by a lot more business owners and marketers, and I would covet your um, your review. Second thing is, uh, if there's anything we mentioned in today's show that you want to reference, you can get the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 44. That'll take you directly to uh, all the details of this podcast. I also want to mention earlier in the show, I mentioned uh, My Kids Adventures. If you find that of interest, check it out at socialmediaexaminer.com slash kids. You'll find a little video on there. And this does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. My gosh, I can't believe it. Yet another episode. I am your host, Michael Stelzner. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world.
The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.